Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the uh, Editorial Director of PR Week and I guide you gently through this week's show. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We'll chat to Wendy and then we'll get into some topical subjects with my regular co-host, Frank Washkirk, who's the Associate Editor of uh, PR Week. How are you doing, Frank? I'm hanging in there, Steve. Thanks for having me on. That's all we can do. Are you excited about the PR Week website relaunch? I thought you were going to ask me if I was excited about the um, the England game later today. We're recording well, this on Wednesday morning. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> want to tempt fate on that because uh, by the time people listen to it, it could football may not <laughs> have football may have uh, not come home, shall we say? So let's just uh, let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait till Fair next enough. week. And to answer crossed. your question, yes, I'm I, I'm very excited about the new website. It is uh, it's something of a labor of love, and I, I think our readers are going to like it a lot. I think it, it is going to present them with a lot of different, let's call them content opportunities Yeah. Uh, to share a buzzword. And um, I think we're going to make it easier for people to find what they're looking for, whether that's events, um, various types of content. And I think it's going to be a big hit. And podcasts. So, uh, yeah, yeah we're, for sure. we're excited about that. And we'll talk about that more next week. But uh, look out for that uh, towards the back end of this week. And we'll talk about Golin, a nice win for them. The Miami, Miami condo situation. And they've hired uh, the company who owns that has hired Levick for crisis comms. Interesting comments from uh, WPP CEO Mark Reed about ESG and actually saying they, that, that the uh, holding company will eschew clients who don't do the right thing. So interesting. Um, almost saying they'll turn down business for, cer- for certain clients if they're not committed to the, doing the right things on things like the environment. So, And then brands on social, some interesting activations this week from uh, Wendy's, Airheads, and IHOP. Uh, Taneo, the, uh, that saga continues. They've hired uh, a new chairwoman. And then the usual mix of new hires, including uh, Ogilvy Health. Um, but let's start with you, Wendy. Now, the Harris Poll, well known over the decades and uh, very well established and um, credible source. But it's part of Stagwell Group now. First of all, tell us about that and when that happened and, and what sort of impact that has had on the business. Sure, yeah. Um, so part of Stagwell for a number of years now, actually. And um that's really moved us into more of a sort of a digital facing way of thinking about market research as we integrate more with some of our sister companies. So obviously the Steigl portfolio brings just such great like holistic analytic capabilities that it's taken our, you know, traditional market research, right? Polling and surveys and, and all of that stuff. And it's really put it against this really unbelievably rich backdrop, right? So I think that's really part of what it has, how it's elevated the Harris poll. And of course, you know, we've done some of the same with our sister agencies. So um, a really, a really great um, collection, collection of, of companies there. Yeah, has that helped by being sort of connected with, you know, SKDK and Observatory and a bunch of other agencies, you get, you've got presumably great connections with them and are able to work on joint products and and uh, benefit each other's business. Yeah, I think it has. And I think it's also um, it's, it's engaged us each to think a little bit differently 
right, as we collaborate. So it's not just almost about opportunities, but it's about stretch and making sure that we're all bringing our best to the table. So yeah, it has, it has certainly from the Harris Poll perspective, um, created some, some really nice partnerships. Now, well known for your annual reputation quotient study, but since COVID, you've also been doing this weekly tracker, which yeah. has thrown up some very interesting insights. And I certainly uh, look, always make sure I read that every week. What are the big findings from that that you would say now looking sort of 16 months into this whole situation? Yeah. And what's, it, what's the tracker saying now? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's surreal, right? Like that it's been that long. So we've had the privilege of measuring, you know, all sorts of things in culture and society for, you know, 50 years now um, at Harris. And so when COVID hit, we're like, that privilege is really a responsibility. So you're right, the COVID tracker, it's there, it's free, it's for everybody. Business leaders look at it, policy influentials look at it. I mean, the CDC uses it for heaven's sake, right? So, so you know, what we have seen is an unimaginable drumbeat. And, and I think we're going to transition into talking about reputation and trends and things that we're seeing. But the COVID tracker provides this backdrop that is so extraordinarily important to expectations of companies. We have for 16 months, the public, Main Street, your clients, your colleagues, the people across the dinner table from you have been at levels of anxiety. We're now dipping into the 60s, like woohoo, yay, right? Like worried about um, economic challenges, worried about your personal, worried about dying, right? Worried about returning to normal. So the backdrop against which this has all happened has been really, really important um, for Harris to keep a pulse on. We've been measuring, you know, the return to normal, and I'm making air quotes here in terms of, you know, revenge spending and um, when we're going to do certain activities. I mean, earlier in the pandemic, it was like, do you want to see hand sanitizer at point of sale, right? And then it's a lot about vaccines and, and what some of those challenges are, some of the you know, the challenges with masks in a divided nation. And so um, it's really been a great source of information for our clients, um, but for, for everyone at large, uh, the track. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And I think um, in that context, it's become clear, and we, we knew this already, obviously, but the corporate reputation and communications is absolutely crucial. And leadership yeah. is is kind of identified by that. So those organizations and companies and businesses that have shown good communication and good leadership have shown good leadership. And that's from internal comms to external to talking to all their state, stakeholders. But Give us an insight as your, you know, in your role as MD of reputation and corporate strategy, what, how this has changed organizations' attitudes to communication and corporate reputation. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the main things is that what this has sort of shown a light on, I think, are the things that aren't those natural muscles that communicators have, be they at agencies or um, perhaps even more so at our uh, client side. Um, so it's about purpose. It's about what you stand for. It's about what you do outside of your products and services, right? So when I think about what COVID has done, COVID has perhaps normalized, and here I mean normalized in a good way, right? We've been talking a lot about how we're normalizing some perhaps negative things and, and almost, you know, immunizing us to, to some challenges. But I think what the pandemic may have done, you know, we saw leaders bending to accommodate new realities or pivoting. They're, they're making... They're making PPE instead of what they usually make. They're spending on their digital layer. They're doing all sorts of things. They're opening up physically their facilities for testing, for vaccinations, for conversations. They are thinking more about internal comms and employees than they have in a very long time. And so I think in some ways what we've done is normalize 
looking outside to other stakeholders. We've normalized stakeholder capitalism, right? How are you in relation to communities? How are you in relation to, to your employees? The public sees how you're in relation to employees um, as an extraordinarily important part of how companies are evaluated. And so when I think about what the pandemic has done, and of course, time will tell whether these are things that um, that stay, but certainly, you know, this is this is data driven. We look at industry reputation after the financial collapse. Every single industry's reputation went down through the eyes of the public. They were part of the problem during the pandemic. Every single industry's reputation initially went up part of the solution. So what does it mean for CEOs when you're trusted more than media, than the government, perhaps even than your neighbor? Right. So I think that there is a responsibility. There's a complexity here, of course, that companies are navigating. But but I think that there's this new um, this new sense that the public needs to understand what companies stand for. We see it in our modeling. We've modeled reputation for 15 years. And the thing that is I mean, it's products and services like no kid. I'm not you know going to um, try to hide that. But when we think about the things that are changing and gaining in importance in terms of that yardstick that the public uses to evaluate companies, it's about, do they share my values? And to understand shared yeah. values, that is communications to me. Yeah, for sure. And and how's USA Inc. doing on that front? You know, are they stepping up? You're right about that trust deficit. You're right about um, even nonprofits. I think business trends, you know, is more trustworthy than that now. And they they are being asked to step in. How are they doing? You know, is it is it going beyond lip service? I think is what a lot of people are asking. I think I think it is. I think particularly they have some, um, you know, when, when we say who got us out of this thing, it's companies. It's not government. Right. And not to say we're out. And I want to sort of honor that where we are on the trajectory. But but very much um, the public has acknowledged that um, it is big business that kept us going. And I want to say it is USA Inc. It's not little sort of hipster boutique businesses of this conversation where five years ago to be big was bad. Remember? Well, guess what? <laughs> you know, big boxes back. There's a certain predictability. There is a, an organizational, literally logistics capability that big companies bring that the public has really, really acknowledged and, and given good credence to. And so, I mean, we're seeing a little bit of a return to normalcy now, right? Now, when we look at reputation rankings, it's not Clorox and, you know, some of those really sort of shelter in place brands like Zoom, you know, making it to our list in, in new and really energized ways. Now we're back to the Patagonias of the world, to the Chick-fil-A's, but also, you know, Pfizer and Moderna doing really well. So, um, so I think that corporate America has done well. Um, corporate America has come out of this strong, and here I'm not talking about balance sheets, right? I'm talking about in terms of Main Street perceptions. But the complexity of the environment, you know, is, you know, it's all about wading into issues now, right? Because part of what this higher reputation comes with is expectation, right? We know when we survey the public that they yeah. expect CEOs to participate in issues. They expect visibility into what a company stands for. So again, back to communications. Communicators are excellent at product launches, excellent, at, you know, like features and things. Right. But when it comes to sharing values, when it comes to how you are as an actor in society, those aren't muscles that are as mature. Um, and so so I think that's going to be sort of the next frontier in some ways. Yeah, let's finish on that. The next frontier and looking forward and how communication is going to play, because you're right, you know, from 
retailers to delivery firms to you know because pharma companies of course to healthcare institutions they did step up and, and yeah. they were much better organized frankly than than a lot of um, you know institutions and uh, you know obviously the frontline workers did an amazing job but the, the PPE and, and the and the responses was, was not good. Um, what's next? How can they build on that? How can they build on that trust? And how have people changed? You you know, the people have had, you talked about matter of life and death. They've they've had many, many sort of Damascene conversions, haven't mm-hmm. they? People have reassessed yeah. their lives and their priorities. So how do you see this playing out? And what's the data saying about that? Yeah, I think the data is saying that um, it's more volatile than it has been before. Um, so it used to be you would a company would park themselves on our top 10 list in terms of corporate reputation, just, you know, be there for a decade, right? We have seen more volatility in reputation in the past. Reputation is a little bit, um, almost single issue voter now, right? When we look at visible companies by political affiliation, for example, um, in the top 10 of all companies measured among, um, those who self-identify as Republican, for example, are companies like MyPillow and Goya. Right. So probably that's not because of products and services. That's not because of vision or growth expectations or how they are in relation to their employees. It's probably based upon events. So one thing that's changed, I think, and particularly against a communication landscape is this notion of event based reputation measurement. Like, what does that mean? I mean, so what it means from from a PR perspective in terms of, you know, the profession, right, the discipline uh, you've got to be data integrators. You've got to be looking at, you know, no longer is it the, the annual study in November where you set the strategy for the following year, right? Like, I mean, those days are over. And so data integration skills, linking digital to, to polling and perception. So this idea of no set it and forget it, I think is really important. But I think most importantly, you know, comms professionals are really good at certain parts of the communication of, of the messaging architecture, so to say. They are less comfortable, as are their clients, if we're talking about agencies. So I'm in this privileged position where I sort of see everybody working together and we're just sort of partners with both sides of the fence. Um, sometimes it is it is the end clients, right, who are like, oh, I can't talk about the good I'm doing in the world. Right. That is a, you know, there's a little bit of a conversion that has that agencies have to help their clients with because we have to do that. Um, we have to bridge what we're doing and make it visible because the public expects it. I, you know, I also think demographically, we moving forward, this is only going to become more and more of an expectation, right? That 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 consumers understand what pump companies stand for. If, you know, when we look at our data on speaking out on issues or or any of these things, you look at it's younger generations, it's people of color, it's the parts of our community that will be more a part of our community in the future that are calling for these activities the loudest. And so, um, you know, so in the meantime, there's a targeting strategy that's needed, but for sure, I think that's something. And then I think lastly, uh, in terms of the portfolio and the skills in the profession, I really see something with employees here. We know, we're polling partners um, with Just Capital, and we know that as we set the yardstick for what are the, how Americans evaluate justness of companies, it is literally how you treat your employees, right? And so employee, the pandemic has shined a light on that in a very big way. And so my sense is that we're going to see, you know, it's going to be worthwhile to beef up those offerings and, and think about clients and employer brands very, very specifically. 
um, is going to gain in some importance in the future. I think that's going to be some of the downstream impacts. Yeah, contrary to really patronizing uh, op-ed in The Economist um, recently, I think it was last week, that was basically just dissing PR and saying it was a complete waste of time. Actually, the reality is that uh, it's never been more important to have agile communicators offering senior level counsel to senior executives and CEOs. And that is that is the reality. And that's what we uh, talk about a lot of PR week. So it's great to get the data to back that up, Wendy. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to getting your input on the news stories. Frank, uh, let's pick up on some of those. Golin has won a nice brief from LinkedIn. And then another crisis assignment uh, related to the tragic events down in Miami. Yes. So uh, let me take these one at a time, but um, some terrific news uh, for Golan, uh, which has been on a hot streak for the past couple of years. Uh, but they have been named the global social media agency partner uh, for LinkedIn. And it says it's basically helping them better understand their audience, unpacking insights uh, and things like that. There's, this is a bit of a developing story. There's not a ton known about uh, you know, who's leading the account or the size of the account or things like that. But it's a uh, LinkedIn is a nice feather in the cap for Golan, I think. Um, so this is uh, another account move that's been getting a lot of attention. And I think in some ways for the wrong reason uh, is that the Champlain Tower South Condominium, Condominium Association, which um, has been the organization really at the center of this this tragic crisis in South Florida, um, in, in which the death count uh, ha- has gone up every day for the past two weeks, it seems, uh, after that condominium building collapsed, uh, has retained Levick as a as its crisis communications and spokesperson firm in all of this. And and this this account move, if you want to call it that, has been has been getting some attention online on social media as maybe the kind of account that an agency should be avoiding or should be. Uh, you know, a bad actor that they should, uh, that a firm should not be working with. Um, you know, the other side of that argument is that in court of public opinion, everybody deserves a defense attorney. So there's two sides to that opinion. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Actually, it's a good line, Frank, that uh, that's some people believe everyone deserves representation, whoever it is, and then others obviously draw the line at certain types of account. I think this one's probably on the gray area of that for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's clearly a tragic situation but all the facts haven't come out yet but so yeah um let's talk about this uh, wpp story the ceo mark reed um i think it was a story by gideon spanier our colleague on campaign uk where mark reed was talking about esg um and almost saying that they wouldn't work with clients who aren't going to do the right thing that's a bold statement to make isn't it in a very competitive industry and tell us all about it that's a lot easier said than done isn't it um yeah. so to <laughs> He mentioned, first of all, ESG issues and responsible marketing are becoming more important for attracting both clients and talent. And so the demand is off the chart for ESG related work. And I I think we have heard a lot of that from talking to folks over the past year and just the the demand at high levels and companies for counsel about diversity, equity and inclusion issues um, and and other issues that fall under the ESG umbrella. And, and I think in some cases, the PR firms have, have benefited a lot from that demand. Um, but I think one thing that was really interesting from, from this interview was that he, he mentioned the energy sector 
in particular, where we know that some firms have had had a lot of questions about who they're going to work with, who they're going to continue to work with, and and whether their employees will push back against them working with certain energy companies. And Reed mentions in here that there is a way to work with energy companies as they sort of change into more green energy or, or less fossil fuel focused companies. Uh, and, and there's a way to do that in a responsible way. I think the proof is in the pudding about what WPP does going forward. And do we see them you know, working more often with energy companies that uh, are less green focused in the future? And, and does he really back up what he's saying in this interview? Yeah, it's an interesting point you make about the energy sector because Shell and BP have made very bold statements about you know mm-hmm. moving completely away from fossil fuels. But then you see something like that ExxonMobil story where the lobbyist was caught on tape basically saying exactly the opposite of what really goes on. Wendy, that's the crux of this, isn't it? Yeah. The company's really doing the right thing. And uh, that's quite a bold statement by the leader of the biggest marketing services holding companies to say, we're not going to work with you unless you do do the right thing. I think it's a bold statement, but I also think it sort of takes off the table the idea that they can help be a steward of positive change, right? So it's almost, I don't know. I mean, we work with clients who... Um, who could who we help to advise on how to improve, right? And so I think that there's there's something about the sort of premature closure of discussion like that, um, especially when it happens at the industry level. I mean, anybody who gets into these accounts, you certain. I mean, you, there's so much good in them. There's you know, it's it, it's not black and white, right? To your point of some of the change, and so I do think it's interesting, and, and the proof will be when, you know, when the next big opportunity comes, what they do. Yeah, um, Edelman often gets brought into this discussion, especially on energy and environment. And uh, their leader, Richard Edelman, says we we're happy to work with Chevron and Shell and help them, uh, you know, evolve their businesses. But they've said they won't work with some of the trade bodies. Um, and you know, they've made their, their mark in the sand, and they they stand by that. Um, so yeah, we 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 will see how this plays out at WPP. But once you say something like that, you've really got to live up to it. And uh, I think. Uh, the fact, you know, I think what people get really cynical about is when they do see something like the ExxonMobil leak and they just think, well, what are these companies talking about, right? When, when behind the scenes, it seems something totally different is going on, you know? So that's... Well, and this, if I could just interject, I also think this is also what industry reputation does, right? Like it doesn't, it paints with such a broad brush. So, you know, there was a, a, a sort of a hot mic thing on, I think it was ESPN or something this week and you know, and we're not talking about not working with companies like that. You know, so it's almost like, you know, it, there's something about that, that broader backdrop of the energy sector that is, is, is um, you know, yeah. is, dam- is damning. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to talk about social media, Frank, and uh, our regular look at how CPG brands especially um, and fast uh, food service brands are playing in that uh, area. And some interesting activations this week from Wendy's Airheads and IHOP. Yeah, a lot of the action here continues to be in the, the fast food space and uh, continues to be with Wendy's, which has been a trendsetter uh, in doing fun and, you know, sometimes snarky, but um, interesting things on social media. Uh, so the gist of this one is that there are two super fans of Wendy's who are getting married and they tweeted at the brand. So uh, they operate this Twitter account called Bring Back Spicy Chicken Nuggets. 
which is dedicated to just that and uh, urging Wendy's to bring back the spicy chicken nuggets. I agree with them in all this. It's a terrific idea. But on June 8th... Bring back uh, the nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So uh, on June 8th, uh, they tweeted at Wendy's asking how many retweets it would take for them to cater their wedding with spicy chicken nuggets. I, gave, I think it was about less than three weeks to uh, for a reply. And Wendy's did get back to them just a few days before the wedding and said, hey, send us your address and the details and all of that. Um, I love this because... This says to me, you know, when at least on social media, Wendy's knows what they're about. They know what they're good at. They um, they interact with their super fans like that. That um, young kid that drew up the script for a Wendy's commercial, and then they actually made the commercial within a yeah. number of hours. Yeah. They're really good at responding to people on social media in positive ways. Um, and I, again, they just they just did an excellent job with this and. You know, for the price of, of delivering chicken nuggets to a wedding, I think they probably got uh, enough positive uh, stories or blog posts or, or whatever to, to you know, really show an ROI on that. And so I you think know what, great. if you've been stood at a wedding for hours and it's, you know, uh, coming toward the middle or end of the evening and you really are, you really can do with some food and people have, <laughs> food, they yeah. have food trucks now, don't they, turning up and all this stuff. So it, it fits in well. And I actually remember when Taco, Taco Bell actually had a wedding in one of its stores, didn't it? And uh, Yeah, they did. They, they got they a load did. of, um, so yeah, lots of, lots of um, green space in that area. And what about what about this airhead story? We, yeah, I I am uh, I'm less bullish on this concept, uh, shall we say? But Airheads, the the candy brand uh, for National Fried Chicken Day, released its own fried chicken sandwich with the instead of the buns, it's sort of made out of Airhead candy. And um, gosh, I just don't know about this. This is, <laughs> this is probably not for me. Uh, but I. Uh, you know, hey, it got some attention. We wrote about it. Uh, would, they would, uh, and... when, we've got a Wendy here, actually. Wendy, would you eat an Airhead yeah. yeah, chicken sandwich? This, <laughs> okay. this is not this is not on the menu for me now. This <laughs> just does not look like a few things thrown together that will react well in your stomach. If you ask you know, sweet and sweet and sour, sweet and savory, you know, mixed mix yeah. up. Uh, and uh, another one. And uh, this is this is a good campaign, I think. Uh, IHOP, uh, realizing that everybody has used various coping mechanisms over the past year, has asked anyone on social media if they need pancake support and using the hashtag I need pancake support and um, giving out free pancakes and other prizes uh, for folks who interact with them. And they've also brought on a few celebrities and influencers uh, for the campaign. I like it. It's it's harmless. It's a fun campaign, and you know I, I think everybody can use a bit of a break after the past year. So why not? Yeah, look, all these campaigns are great. I think it's uh, interesting stuff. It's nice and agile. It's it's agile marketing and communications, and it's uh, as long as everyone's having fun and the brands can get you know have some fun with it and actually sometimes play off each other. You know why why not? It's all good fun. So uh, it's, it's great scope for creativity there, and we saw that at Cannes again. Uh, the other week so uh, good stuff on to a slightly more serious story we talked a lot about Taneo last week and obviously they have well publicized problems with their CEO and his behavior at a, a charity event they've hired well uh, Ursula Burns who's the former CEO of Xerox was already a senior advisor at Taneo but she's now going to be chairwoman of the agency 
That's right. And she uh, is going to be working closely with Paul Curry, their new uh, CEO, formerly the COO. Uh, And the company is saying it's to support their next phase of growth around the world. But I think to an observer, it's much more like she is um, she's trying to get them back on track more than, you know, focused on the next phase of growth at this point. Now, Kiri was named CEO last week following the resignation of Declan Kelly, who stepped down after acknowledging that he behaved inappropriately uh, at a charity concert. So Burns has been a senior advisor at Taneo since 2017. And um, before she was that, she was famous for becoming the first black female CEO of a Fortune 500 company uh, when she was the top person at Xerox, um, where she worked until 2016. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw this, this, I saw a business story in the New York Post this morning that uh, it inter- uh, interviewed a few people on backgrounds who seem to be Taneo insiders or close observers, sort of saying that. sort of saying that Kelly, well, you know, she's Kelly's person and he, he's the person sort of like pushing her in the door here and sort of to sort of keep his fingerprints on everything. And, and I just thought that was a bit ridiculous because she ran Xerox, which, which is a bigger company for a long time. And she's certainly qualified to run a company and, and to deal with crises. Uh, You know, will she get the nuts and bolts, you know, uh, consulting or corporate communications or PR elements of it? Maybe not, but she'll have people that will. So I don't know. That was just the the one point of commentary I wanted to make about it. So she's clearly an established business person in in her own right and and not somebody else's, um, you know, puppet in the role. Yeah, it's interesting. I I blogged about this last week and um, do check that out. Got, got a lot of opinions in there. I'd love to know what people think of it. But it's it's worth noting that in April, Declan Kelly actually set up a private equity firm with Ursula Burns and two other partners called Integrum, so uh, specializing in tech services investments. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that venture. And um, interestingly, Integrum is the Latin word for reinstatement. So I don't know what that's all supposed to be about. In, they love in retro- the Latin. Retro- they do. Yeah, they do. Um, Wendy, I mean, when you're a company that is all about advising CEOs and high-level corporate reputation, it doesn't really, it's not a good look, is it, when uh, the CEO himself is is found to be lacking in that respect, and and they become the story. That's the sort of first rule of PR, isn't it? Don't become, of course, right. And so, so this very much this very much sounds like getting your own house in order. Um, and we'll give this um, this very accomplished woman the benefit of the doubt that that she can do that. Um, you know, it's interesting when when you talk to opinion leaders about what they expect from a CEO in in, in our work. Um, ethics actually trumps vision, right? So you do have to have the business processes nuts and bolts down, but I think that there's CEOs are turned to and sort of these symbols of these other kinds of North Stars. And so you hire smart people to handle some of the other stuff if you can't fill it out. But my guess is that, you know, this background is is the right person for the chair. Yep, let's see how that plays out for sure. And finally, Frank, let's talk about people moves. Still a lot of people moves around and uh, interesting levers as well. People changing priorities and going off and doing their own thing, including the chief strategy officer at uh, Ogilvy. Yeah, lots going on in Ogilvy. So um, I want to start with Shannon Walsh. Uh, She is the new president of PR for North America, but within Ogilvy Health. Um, So, you know, a lot of curiosity about the reporting structure with this one. 
Uh, and she's going to report to the new global CEO of Ogilvy Health when one is appointed. And that's because uh, Kate Cronin, uh, who I think is well known to our readers, and we've done a lot of reporting on her moves over the years, as has our, our sister magazine, MMM. Uh, but she is leaving Ogilvy Health uh, to serve as the chief brand officer at the pharmaceutical company Moderna. Um, she spent 17 years uh, at Ogilvy before she left. Now, you mentioned uh, Ogilvy's global chief strategy officer is also exiting. That's Ben Richards. He is stepping down to start a new venture uh, after 10 years at the WPP firm. Yeah, and there's possibly more to come on that uh, Ogilvy story, isn't there, in, in terms of seeing who's going to take over from Kate Cronin. So um, we will watch that space. But um yeah, it's quite a few levers at Ogilvy since Andy Main came in, the new CEO. So I suppose that's natural that you know people come and go. And uh, Martin uh, Michael Froelich uh, left, didn't he? Went to Weber, the European CEO, so or UK CEO. So um, some changes afoot there. All right, Frank, thank you so much. Uh, <coughs> great to chat as always. And Wendy, thank you for joining us. Really interesting to find out more about the data because that's what it's all about at the end of the day and what that's saying about reputation and uh, we wish you well over that over at the Harris Poll and Stagwell. Thank you. Uh, look out for our new website as I said our power list talking of corporate reputation and uh, communications generally that launches next Tuesday and we're going to be starting in-person events again so Hooray for us, I think, and hooray for the, I think everyone is really looking forward to getting out there. So our Purpose Awards, which are on the 13th of October, they will be in person in New York City, as will our 40 Under 40 event on the 28th of October. We're sticking to virtual for our conference from the 12th to the 14th of October. Uh, but uh, gradually we're coming back in person and, and we'll have more details on that as as it rolls out. But uh, definitely looking forward. Wendy, are you looking forward to getting out and seeing people again and meeting up with folks? Uh, desperately, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, as long as we can do it safely and hopefully that Delta variant uh, isn't too uh, much of a problem, but uh, definitely looking forward to that. But anyway, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.